Welcome to another episode of For Life and Legacy. We're grateful that you joined us on today and we look forward to making sure that we continue to add value to your life and your legacy. So go ahead. Let's sit back. Don't relax yourself. Just get ready to do something great because there is greatness in you. You are the creation of the almighty God and he does all things well. Before I forget, please hit that like and subscribe button. Hit that like and subscribe button. We want to make sure we keep bringing you good content and we keep bringing you those things that are beneficial for your life and your legacy. Uh, we're grateful for you being here with us today. I am Michael Coleman, your host, and we're going to get into something I think that is going to be very relevant to your life today. It is talking about orientation. Uh, previously, I discussed with you commitment, and then uh, we talked specifically about the core, the fact that the core is an important part of the body, and it actually helps us to keep ourselves balanced and stable. And for that reason, I gave you the core. Uh, it's a commitment, orientation, obedience, relationship, and environment. I did take a little bit of uh, artistic uh License there and, uh, you know, added a little O to the core, but it's good. It's good. I think orientation and obedience go, uh, directly hand in hand because the truth is you can be oriented to something or be made aware of how something performs or something should perform in an environment. But if you never apply it, what good is knowledge? They say knowledge is power. Well, no, knowledge applied is actually the greatest power. It has to be an action behind it. So herein is where we want to make sure sometimes even in our very lives, we may come to the knowledge of how something works, but we never, ever apply it. So, you know, think about it. I mean, just take full, take, take a time, take, you know, sit back a little bit and think about it. What have you been told to do, but you have yet to execute? What have you been told to do? But you have yet to execute. You have even been told to do this by people who have proven that these particular principles work. But for whatever reason, it's just not something you're doing just yet. I mean, we might pick that apart just a little bit. And I'm going to ask you to think about even emailing me or hitting me up. Uh, you can actually email me at Michael at For Life and Legacy. Michael at for life and legacy. And that's spelled M I C H A E L, by the way. For whatever reason, people spell Michael wrong, but Michael, M I C H A E L, right? L as in L as in God, right? So Michael, who is like God, that is the name. So if you're ever wondering how to spell Michael right, right? I know they have some new ways of spelling Michael, but my name in the most dominant way of spelling Michael. Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, all the other Michaels, right? It's sort of the E L at the end. All right. So let's get into this today. Orientation. How do we describe orientation? Well, if I were to look up orientation, even by specific definition, it's the act of orienting something, right? That doesn't make much sense to me either. Or the act of being oriented. So let's look up it even better. Let's 
drop back a little bit, just drop back a little bit. And let's look at the etymology of the word orient or orientation. It's an old English word and it literally means to rise, to come up. Um, it means specifically to be oriented to an axis or an azimuth or even Sometimes it means specifically to find your pathway based on a compass. So it, it is about being oriented. But what we're most familiar with orientation is because we go to classes. And when you go to a class, the teacher tries to orient you to the new way of class, right? This is not the class you had last semester. This is not the place you were, especially if you've transitioned from high school into college. This is a different atmosphere. So we have to orient you to the atmosphere a new atmosphere. So herein is the opportunity for anybody who decides to make a transition, who decides to go from living a raggedy life to saying, hey, I want to be more excellent in all my ways. I really want to be grafted into something that would take me somewhere. Well, you got to be oriented. You have to have a new understanding, new governance, if you will. Governance is very important. I'll give you an example. For many people who've ever found themselves in a place where maybe they thought they were free, but they had no opportunity to affect governance, to affect laws, to affect changes. As a matter of fact, taxation without representation is just that. That means you had no ability to impact governance. So I want you to think about this. If you really want to be oriented, you want to get into governance. You want to find out how things are governed so that you can then have an opportunity to let that take place in your life and maybe even petition to get things reacclimated, reoriented, if necessary, depending on what you know. So hearing is what we're talking about. Orientation, though, in the kingdom of God, because he is sovereign, really means that you need to learn his ways. His ways are not our ways. Neither are thoughts our thoughts now. We've heard this said many times before. His ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. But here is the rub. It does not mean that our ways cannot be his ways, nor our thoughts become his thoughts. In other words, whatever he's thinking, we should start to learning, right? We should start begin. We should get to the point where we learn what God is saying and it becomes something that is familiar to us to the point where we know that this is what God would want us to do. That step, there's a scripture that says specifically that the steps of a righteous man are what? Ordered by the Lord. Therefore, we would understand his orders. He also said, my sheep hear my voice. So you say, well, maybe I come on, let's break it down. Maybe you don't hear him audibly. But let's take an opportunity here and think about this. If you know the word of God, the more of the word of God, you know, you will be able to reference scripture when you come to a place where you have a question. Hmm. That needs to be answered. Right. You have a question that needs to be answered. Whether it be a moral test, whether it be some test integrity test, if you know what you need to know based on the word of God, you'll be able to use it as a reference and then draw your point. You'll be able to move forward simply because you've known now exactly what God would have you to do. And sure, it may be a different test. It may be a different environment. It may be a different person. But oddly enough, they're often the same test. Who will you put first? Will you put yourself first or will you put God first? Who will you put first? Your fellow neighbor, will you love them as you love yourself? Who will you put first? Oddly enough, it is often the same question. Every time there is frustration, who am I putting first? Now, oddly, you know, uh, I will say this 
you have to put yourself first sometimes when it comes to rest. This is true. And I want to make sure we're not balanced, but harmoniously approaching this, right? That you know there are times where you have to draw yourself away. You have to pull. Even Jesus drew away. He went away so that he could rest and he could actually get in touch and pray with God. So we know that there are times where you have to go away. But we know that shouldn't happen all the time because you will not be productive if you find yourself isolated. Now, I want to say this while I'm here. The enemy tries to isolate you, such as any abusive relationship. Anyone who tries to isolate you to keep you from being in a presence in a place of other people means that for whatever reason, they don't want your gift and your talent displayed or utilized or benefiting others. They want to keep you to themselves, right? God has no desire to do that. If anything, he might put you in a room all by yourself to, to help you learn something, but he intends then to release you out on the world that you might wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. I want you to understand this. I know that maybe you don't think yourself worthy at times, but you have to, you have to, you have to think that God has greater things in store for you than you could ever believe. So let's go on. Let's go on with this orientation. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Psalms 100 verse 3. Knowing this, that we have to fixate. We have to capitalize on this. God has made us. We didn't make ourselves. So sometimes you may judge yourself, not based on what God has said about you, but what you've heard others say about you, or maybe even what you think about yourself. If you're not careful, you can drive yourself into a state of depression and you might find yourself withdrawing from others. When in all actuality, God has grace and mercy in store for you. So I don't know what maybe maybe you've done something wrong. Maybe something's gone wrong. Maybe for whatever reason, you've made a bad decision. But let me tell you this. God can turn tragedy into triumph any day of the week. So I want to encourage you that God wants to turn tragedy into triumph because he made you. You didn't just happen to be here, right? You know this and I know this and you may have heard it. You're not a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. I'll say this again. God does not mistakes. So for you being here, I want you to get your mind straight in this facet that God made you and not you yourself. Your mama and your daddy may have gotten together, but guess what? It's by the hand of God that you came into this world and he lights every man and every woman that comes in. Your, your mama can't like yeah, your father can't light you. Nobody around can light you, but the great God we serve. So put that into order. Also, I want to take you to Deuteronomy six and seven. For you are a holy people to Yahweh or to God, our God. For Yahweh, our God, has chosen you for a people for His own, His treasured possession, out of everybody who's on the face of the earth. So, you know, some people just don't know who God is. You say, well, that's not fair. No, God has chosen you to tell them. Guess what? God, you already have a purpose, right? Because God already has a plan to utilize your gifts, talents, and abilities to give them an understanding that there is a God who can save somebody like you, whatever it is that you've been through, whatever it is you've been doing, even the things you've been doing, the dirty, dirty, the low down, low down, God could restore you, right? And change things around. So he has chosen you because there's another scripture that says specifically, you who were not a people, you who were not a people, he restored you, he's redeemed you. 
when you didn't have a place, he matter of fact, first Peter two and nine says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people. Let me stop there. And I want to make this second point. Uh, whatever point I might be on right now. Stop trying to fit in when you're made to be different. You need to stop it. You need to give yourself an opportunity to be uniquely you, uniquely who God created you to be. You need to go ahead and allow God to have his full reign in you. If you have to pray, pray. If you if you can't get up in the morning to pray early because you say all these people pray early, find some time in the middle of the day to pray, right? Sacrifice some time, maybe fast even in that moment, fast some time where you would normally spend watching TV. Break yourself down. At five o'clock in the afternoon, break yourself down at seven o'clock, break yourself down at eight o'clock. If you can't do early morning, do something right. We sometimes find ourselves making uh, perfection, something that we try to attain and we realize we can't do it and we don't do anything right you don't want to be in a place where you're you're just so discouraged that you won't even try you want to be in a place where you encourage yourself and you you know you get in the gym it doesn't matter if you don't go early in the morning go when you can go if you can't run walk if you can't walk crawl if you can't do a push-up amen or sit up just do something to get up but just get up, get up, get up and get moving. That's what we got to do. So I want to say you are uniquely you, right? Find a way to harness that uniquely you and be able to allow uh, God to move in you as he wants to. Um, give yourself an opportunity to give a breathing room and say, God, just work in me, work on me. You know where I am. You know my mindset. You know my challenges. You know my struggles. You know my frustrations. You know my issues. Father, just work in me and break those things loose in me because I truly want to be free. I truly want to be free for you to use me because I know that you call me, but I hear these other voices that tell me that I can't. Uh, maybe even sometimes I discourage my own self. But I'm going to tell you sometimes you need to tell yourself, shut up and sit down somewhere, right? And give yourself an opportunity opportunity to say, God, use me for this moment. Use me for this time. Uh, here's what we do now. Jeremiah 18, one through seven. We know that God puts, uh, this is going down to the potter's house. God sends Jeremiah, sends Jeremiah down to the potter's house. And what do we find? The potter's working on uh, a piece of clay. But the piece of clay is marred in his hands and there's a lump. So what does he do? He puts it back on the wheel. He doesn't discard it. I want you to think about it. He does not discard it. I want you to orient your mind. So anytime you're thinking that maybe God has given up, he doesn't. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. God doesn't give up on you. God doesn't give. He still wants you. He still wants, he's still calling you to be by his side. And I want you to encourage yourself to get up from wherever you are and to believe God for the best in your life. Because you know what? Hope is eternal. You need to hope eternally. You need to keep hoping past the place where you think, well, there is nothing but fa no, failure. Failure is part of the process. Come on. I want you to know that failure is part of the process. As a matter of fact, I'll give you this one. The pathway to success is paved with the cobblestones of failure. The pathway to success is paved with the cobblestones of failure. It will be part of the process to tender you, to make you, to strengthen you, to even 
stretch the cord in you to bring it out to a place where God can use you. You're like strings on a guitar. You have to tune it. You have to tighten it in certain areas so that it can provi- provide the right uh, frequency to give you the right tone and, and be the right inclination. You have to understand that there's some things that are meant to stretch you that are going to come about in your life. And if you understand this, guess what? You're being worked on by God. He wants to make, make you a, that person who's able to, to deal with the ups and the downs and be somebody else's champion in the same situation or circumstance. So listen, let me back up. We're still talking about orientation, being able to orient your mind. Here's listen, listen, listen. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, hoped for. Have the faith. You must believe so you can keep hoping for. So it's the evidence of things not seen. So we want to know that there is an, by you being uh, a mind, having a mind rather to stay oriented to what God is saying about you. It becomes an evidence. It's a, you don't people looking for things to change overnight. Listen, let me tell you this. This is a long game. You want things to be immediate. You want things to turn overnight. We've talked about the microwave faith. We've talked about, listen, Let's talk about the seed time and harvest faith, right? You plant a seed today. The harvest doesn't come tomorrow. You plant a seed today. There's an expectation that there is work involved. Going back to my commitment where you got to come back out and you got to water the seed. You got to come back out. Maybe pull up the roots. You got to come back out. Make sure there's no insects. You got to come back out. There's work involved. I'm not telling you, and I'm not going to be a person that's going to tell you you're going to get a sweatless victory. You probably won't hear that out of my mouth. I know that there are those who've got them. I know that they may be far and few between, but they're like miracles. They happen. They will happen. But in between, let's talk between you and me since nobody else is probably listening. In between time, when you and I know that it seems like Everything is a hard road. Or it seems like I'm only coming up. The song says up the rough side of the mountain. Well, I want to know which side you're going to come up. Because guess what? If you got a smooth side, you're going to slide down. You need the rough side of the mountain. You need a place to put your foot on and your hands on so that you can pull yourself up. And God, as God gives you the strength and the breath in your body to do so, you need the rough side so that you could be able to continue to climb to get to the top of the mountain. I know. I know, I know, I know we want to make things easy, but I'm going to tell you, they're not going to be easy. David didn't have it easy, right? David, you go through, Abram didn't have it easy. The, the pilgrims of faith, they didn't have it easy. Joseph didn't have it easy. But what they did have is is the gumption and the commitment to continue to believe God for greater things. And in so being, I believe through the, the hall of faith, you find that these people believe God in spite of their tragic situations, circumstances, challenges, whatever the measure it may be that would have to measure out their faith. God rewarded them for their diligence and their, and their believing, for believing, for believing him, for being committed to the word that he spoke. So let's be committed. Let's orient our mind to the point where we realize that we are a people that are covered under a covenant. We're orienting our minds that God has cut a covenant with us. That's an everlasting covenant. And we know that therefore we need only know that God is moving on our behalf. So let's go on. Let's go on. We're, let's, let's make one last point before we get out of here. I want to make sure you know that we must fight 
We must fight to keep the plan of God alive in our lives. Just because things don't seem to be going the way you want them or the way you've imagined, maybe they're taking longer than expected. Well, with all due respect, can I remind you that you're not the chef, but sometimes you might be the entree. You're not the potter, but the pot on the wheel. And he forms and fashions according to his perfect desire. I want to orient you into the mindset that, guess what? Let make, let's make sure your heart points due north. Due north towards the plan and the will of God. Due north toward the mind and the heart of God. Due north towards the promises and the covenant of God. Due north to the fact that God always comes through. So, yeah, let me give you this point, and I want to make it clear. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 tells us to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. This is a brilliant segue into my next lesson, which would be on obedience. The understanding here is that there will be thoughts that will try to crowd your mind, to try to crowd your, your way of thinking and even impede you impede your pathway throughout the day uh some thoughts that just try to uh, almost like birds you, you can't stop the birds from flying around uh, the tree but you can keep them from making a nest same thing with these ideas maybe you've heard that before uh, you know the idea is that you can stop some thoughts from taking root in your life and in your mind and 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 sometimes we call it pulling down the constructs some constructs that you may have developed over time things that you think are just one way when in all actuality if you were to seek them out you would find out uh, they're not a good example is if you always perceive somebody to be an enemy they will never have an opportunity to be your friend that's right if you always perceive them as being an enemy They'll never have an opportunity to be your friend. It is therefore the thought that you must come into grips that you must love your neighbor as yourself. This is this is important because as you learn to love yourself as God loves you, you will find that you have so much grace and mercy to give through other people that you'll never come up empty. You'll never come up empty. You'll be rich enough to give people grace and mercy you'll be rich enough to forgive people you'll be rich enough to let things go you'll be rich enough to enter into a season of release i'm going to say that again you'll enter into a season of release where you'll find yourself just like the earth the earth goes through a season of release a season of rest a season of reaping Right, You have to go through these seasons, a season of release, a season of rest, a season of restoration, I forgot that one, and a season of reaping, right? A season of release, a season of rest, a season of restoration, and a season of reaping. Why is it important? Because if you don't enter into rest and you don't enter into a season of release, you can't enter into rest. And if you can't enter into rest, you can't get to restoration. And if you can't get to restoration, you'll never get. To reap. It's important. Everybody wants to be prosperous. Everybody. I don't care who it is. They may, may not want to be wealthy and filthy rich, but uh, most of the people who have a good mind want to be prosperous. It rather, 
And I believe we need to learn to live in a state where we expect the prosperity of God to come upon us. But we have to give ourselves an opportunity to pull down those constructs, casting down imaginations and high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of what God has for you and bring it into captivity. That's right. Put it on lock. Put it on lock. Right. Put it on lock. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Not only that, but in the Old Testament, they called it pulling down the altars. You were pulling down the altars, the false gods, the things that try to feign themselves to be gods, to feign themselves to be those things that were in power. But when you're wise, you know truthfully that God is the one who has all the power and you don't have a problem letting other people know that, that God is in control. I don't care what you think. My orientation tells me that God is set high above all and you wouldn't have any power over me unless they be given to you from above. I borrowed that line from Jesus. Yes, I did. It's got to be the way you live. You got to live with a kingdom mindset. You got to live with a made up mindset. You got to live with a covenant mindset. You got to live in that same vein that God has crafted you for greater things. Because you know what? There is greatness in you. And we're going to keep doing this until we get the greatness out of you. Yes, we are. Because it is, after all, for your life and your legacy. Until next time. Please remember to hit that share, like button, and we will see you again.